0: Hi, I'm Amber, and welcome to the Lone Star Keto podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Temple Stewart. She is a registered dietitian and LDN, an ACE certified personal trainer, and a behavior change specialist. Welcome, Temple.
1: Yeah, thank you, Amber. I'm really excited. I've been watching your podcast for some time now, so it's an honor to be on it.
0: And I've been trying to get her for a while, but she's been a little bit busy. <laughs> the new baby and all kinds of stuff. So I'm I'm thrilled to have you on. Yeah, that's so exciting. Thank you. I'll have to put a little picture or something because she's a cute. Yeah. Okay. All right. First of all, let's go ahead and talk about your background as far as your health journey and your professional journey. I'm curious, why did you decide to be a dietitian?
1: Oh, this is good. I love talking about this because it really did like shape and push me into the sphere. Um, I originally decided to be a dietitian because I was a college athlete. So I played uh, soccer in college. and I loved it. And I was always really fascinated with just how the body worked and how much better I felt when I was eating whole foods and, and, you know, eating decent. And so I got became really fascinated with metabolism and all of that. So I decided to pr- pursue uh, being a dietitian And um, I ended up working, uh, getting my like fellowship at uh, the VA hospital here in St. Pete, Florida. Nice. And at the time, I felt great. You know, I was a typical, you know, new student getting ready, excited to, to pursue this career. Um, and in the first year of my internship, I just started having like a lot of weird symptoms. The first one was I put on probably 30, 40 pounds. It's seemingly overnight. It was very quick. Um, and I started just to feel not myself. And I knew, I knew something was going on, um, hormonally and, and I just felt bad. My cycle started to be really funky. I started to get like oily skin and my hair was falling out and just things that had never, never happened to me. And, and keep in mind, at the same time, I'm going to school to be uh, not going to school, but working to be a diet, dietitian. And so I'm trying all the things I'm learning, you know, I'm eating more vegetables, I'm making all my whole grains whole and doing all these things. And I'm continuing to just go down and go down and go down. And long story short, with my health journey, as I'm trying everything I know to try and what I'm learning and just continuing to feel awful and fatigued and sick and just terrible um, and overweight and it just not myself. I I eventually went to an endocrinologist and got diagnosed with PCOS as well as Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it hit me like a ton of bricks. I would have always been very healthy and athlete, which probably masked a lot of this these symptoms. Um, and that's that's what kind of got me pursuing alternative routes right because when you're diagnosed with pcos you're you're thrown birth control and that's about it maybe metformin and maybe spironolactone if you're lucky and um, you're not really told how to eat you're just kind of told to lose weight and good luck and so Mm -hmm. i was just kind of like well this isn't a good enough answer for me right and so that's that's really what took me down uh and and got me introduced into this 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 community and this sphere
0: I love that. Tell us a little bit about your particular um, experience as a dietitian. I want to hear just a little bit about that before we get into our actual subject of women and weight loss.
1: Yeah. So I was a clinical dietitian. So I worked in a hospital, I I worked in an outpatient, inpatient, and home based primary care setting at, at some point in my uh, clinical dietitian career. And, you know, I, I, I can't say I hated it because I loved working with veterans. So that, that was my main population. And I just have such a heart for the veteran population. And, but, but I knew something was failing because they weren't necessarily getting better. Right. So I was counseling people on diabetes and weight loss. And I was, I was doing what, you know, the guidelines say, and I was, it just, it felt like I was spinning my wheels. And, you know, when you get into dietetics, I think most of us do have a a heart and a passion to help people. And I just felt like I wasn't helping anyone. I felt like, you know, they were continuing to gain weight. Their A1Cs were continuing to skyrocket. They weren't seeing decreases in medications or, and they weren't feeling good. And so, um, I, I was, you know, I was always like curious, is there more like what, wh- there's gotta be a way that I can help these people feel their best. Um, and, and at that point, you know, I'm, I'm two to three years into my ketogenic dur- journey journey And I'm starting to think, oh, maybe this could help them too. Cause I'm seeing my cycles return. I'm seeing improvements and you know, the, I don't have to say it, but the ketogenic diet is very controversial in that space in the dietetics realm, um, for a lot of people. And so I, I will, I will admit it. I was scared. I was a little bit fearful of trying it because it, it probably wouldn't have been received well. Um, and it initially wasn't, um. I just kind of got over it because I didn't care because, you know, towards the end of my clinical dietitian, uh, you know, path, I was starting to use it. And uh, Verta Health actually was doing a study in the, in the VA hospitals, which really gave me the push to try it. And the the results were incredible, and I was doctors from the VA were coming up. Wow, your your, your patients are improving rapidly. They're getting off insulin. Let's, it was it was phenomenal. The last year of my job in the VA, I really um, I really felt like I was making an impact. And I, and for the first time in my career, I thought this is it. This is what we've been missing. This is what they need. And it it was such a good feeling to watch people's lives being changed. It it really was.
0: That is amazing. So why did you decide to stop doing that?
1: Yeah. So I I have a I have a really big heart for women as well. So I have a heart for veterans, I have a heart for women. And, and I was watching friends of mine, I was watching family members of mine, I was watching people close to me um, really, really struggle. And I I decided, hey, you know what? what better way to do this than to work for myself, work for my own hours, see the, see the clients I'd love to see. Cause you know, in a clinical setting, um, as a dietitian, you don't only get to see weight loss and diabetes and insulin resistant. You have to see it all. You have to see tube feedings. You have to see things, um, you know, clinical diagnoses that you don't necessarily specialize in. And so you feel really pulled in a lot of different directions. And I only wanted to work with the ketogenic diet. I only wanted to help people using this method. And that is And I also didn't want the blowback. So I was, while I was seeing such good success, Mm -hmm. I was also getting quite a bit of blowback from, um, you know, management and some other, other people that are, that were skeptical and understandably, because a lot of people just don't know. And so I was, you know, you know what, I made the decision. I'm going to work for myself. I'm going to make my own hours and I'm going to help the people I want to help using the method that I believe in.
0: I love that. Oh, I love that so much. I love that. I love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. I'm going to read your mission statement because yeah. it really resonated with me. Oh. And I love this to empower women's weight loss using a method that works for their bodies instead of against it. Yes. Explain that a little bit. I know what you mean. And I have experienced this. I get this, but explain what you meant by this.
1: Yeah. So one time I, 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 or first thing, I I think a lot of women feel very defeated before even stepping up to the platform of trying to lose weight. Right. Like everyone, I feel like a lot of people come, come to the game knowing that they're going to fail. And and or have failed 40 times before. And so that is re- really where that word empower came from, because I, I just kept seeing it. People were, you know, women were coming to me so defeated. And and that hurts, you know, and that's really sad to watch people try. And they're giving their best effort. They're doing everything that they think is right and that they've been told is right. And they, they continue to not see results and suffer. And so I really chose the word empower because I think it gives a whole new, um, perspective to what you're doing and, and it really helps women feel like they're in control they can make a change and that it's possible and i was just seeing these mindset shifts um to really what i would describe as empowered and so that's where i, I really nailed that word down because i think it it, it just totally takes a new meaning when you see women's faces light up and with success. And then of course, working with your body, right? You know, what we're taught is lower calories, lower calories, lower your fat. You're eating too much fat. You need more starch. You need more whole grains. And that is just an absolute disaster to fail. It just does not set you up for success in any way. And so that, It works against your body on almost every level, right? Your body needs fat to be satiated. It needs cholesterol to work with hormones. I could go on and on on why that's a terrible idea. You know, low calorie destroys your metabolism over time. So- I was tired of women just fighting their bodies, right? Just continually at war with themselves. And so that's where I came up with the second part of working with your body, because your body is a fascinating machine, um, especially women's bodies. I just have to say that right now. It's incredible. I just had a baby and I'm breastfeeding, and there's nothing more amazing to me than a woman's a woman's body. But, So, yeah, that's kind of where that came from is like, you know what, let's stop the war against our bodies and let's start working with it no matter the season. Right. I love that so
0: much. You just don't even know. I just want to like get (laughs) pom poms and go. Yeah, (laughs) because that is what I lived for 40 years. Yeah. And I would, I had willpower like crazy. So it was, but yet I blame myself thinking I was the one I wasn't doing it. I wasn't eating less enough. I wasn't working out more enough, you know, and, and I wasn't less enough fat and yep. whatever. And, and it was the most frustrating thing. And you're right about the, the feeling defeated before you start, because I always knew I could lose a weight. That was a piece of cake for me. I could do it. Yeah. Not a problem. But then as yep. soon as you hit that maintenance stage, Oh, guess what? Game changer, Cause you can't yeah. keep doing that same diet because it, sucks. It's just horrible. The low fat, low calorie eat lettuce. I mean, awful, just awful. You can't live like that, but you can't go back to eating the way you did before you gained the weight. Right. Right.
1: Right.
0: Right. (laughs) It's like one of those things. It's a mess. No, you know, I'd hit maintenance and I'd be like, okay, now this is where my anxiety kicks in. Yep. Yep. Every single time same thing. Mm-hmm. Same and thing. your story Until keto.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And that, and I feel like so many women had that same, that same exact story and I was on my way. I really was, you know? And so I, I get it. I get it.
0: Okay. So why keto? Tell us why you decided to do uh, keto and use this as a key uh, element of your program.
1: Yeah. So, well, the first reason why is because everything else I was trying was, was epically failing. I mean, talk, I, I was even vegan for a bit, which talk about feeling terrible. I felt awful, awful. And you know what I came across and I don't remember the exact way it was brought into my mind. Um, But I remember getting my hands on a copy of the obesity code, as well as the fasting book that Dr. Fung wrote with uh, Jimmy Moore, who's Mm -hmm. like the godfather Mm -hmm. of keto. Mm -hmm. But so I remember getting my hands on those books and reading them and initially thinking there's no way, there's just no way that any of this makes any sense. There's no way this was so counterintuitive to everything I learned in college. And I, I remember thinking, but what if, but what if, because this is literally the only thing I have, have not tried. And, you know, again, I go back to the conflicting nature of, of what I was learning at the time. And I can remember thinking, I'm going to give this a try. I'm not going to tell a soul. I, I literally, I told myself, do not share this because, you know, it's intimidating. And so I read the, those books and I just started implementing it. And, and I can't, it's, it's not something I can describe unless someone's experienced and you have so you know, but the way that you feel is just unlike any other like even had I not lost 30 pounds and my cycle hadn't returned and my skin hadn't cleared up and my hair stopped falling out the way that I felt just in my body and <laughs> in my mind was just like there's something so right with this that I can't let you tell me that it's wrong because I just feel like temple again. And I feel like, um, I just felt like a human and I felt like I wanted to have motivation and work and do these things that I had not wanted to do before. So that's how I initially got into it. And then once I started feeling that way, it was, it was, a. Like drinking from a what do they say a fire hydrant? I got my hands on Mm -hmm. every book I could find, every podcast, every you know Diet Doctor, Verta Health, everything I could get my hands on. I was Mm -hmm. just drinking it because it was it was what I needed, and I was fascinated by it.
0: I agree with you. The first time I felt ketosis, I was like, Whoa! I looked at my husband and I said, I can live like this the rest of my life. This is the most amazing thing. And he's like. I can see it in your face. What in the world? And I was like, I don't know. I, the only thing I can describe to you is euphoric. I feel euphoric. I feel like something I I had honestly never felt before ever.
1: Yeah. I would agree hundred percent.
0: And it was the most amazing feeling. And at that point I was like, Ooh, (laughs) I got to know more about this thing. What is this? Yeah. Cause like, I, I had never heard of keto. I didn't know what ketones were. I didn't know any no. of that. And it was just kind of a flicky thing that it dropped in my lap. And I thank God every day that, that it did because it yeah. literally changed my life.
1: Yeah. You know, and I, I say this every day, just being in the space that, that we're in. And sometimes it, it does go against a lot of conventional medicine, not it's getting better, but there, there come attacks from right and left. And a lot of my clients, you know, get into it with their PCPs and all that. And a lot are really welcoming, which is awesome. and, And that's, I really do feel like we're making some strides there, but I tell my clients, I would take Every mean thing said online, I would take every you know controversial person or, or, or hateful thing said because it's worth going to battle for. It really is, which sounds so crazy because we're talking about a way of eating, but it, it really does impact your life that much, which is I, I think is amazing.
0: I I agree with you. It it kind of baffles me to be honest with you that food is up there with religion and politics. It's insane. It's crazy. Yeah. It, it is, is insane. And you know what I'm seeing? I'm like, Oh, well, number one, what do you care? What I eat?
1: What do you right. care?
0: It's right. not affecting you. I'm not forcing right. it on you, but it is true. There, People get real. I don't know if it's intimidated or I I don't really understand. I really, I I'm not either. really sure exactly what it is. Okay. I have a question just real quick before we dive deep into the weight loss. Um, Why do you think that the guidelines are still so pushed when um, it's pretty obvious it's not working. I mean, if you have a brain, if you have eyes, you can see that everything they've implemented has not worked. Why do you think they just doubled down on it? And it's so, I mean, you know, the like your schooling? I mean, I'm, I'm sure that they were pretty, you know, (laughs) strict about, you know, the way they taught things and doctors too. the little bit of nutrition they get.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is a great question. Um, And I think we're all trying to answer it. I think there's a lot, I think it's multifactorial. Uh, I like to say that nobody was doing this um, with militia or if that's the right word, but I, I like to think that Um, But you look more into it and you look at kind of the faulty science that a lot of this was based on and a lot of the fear of fat that this was based on. And it does get a little bit like a little scary at at what we base our our guidelines off of and and the quality of the science. Not only that, but then you have lobbyists and food corporations and sponsors and all of these people that are writing hefty checks And I always say, you gotta look where the money's coming from in a lot of things, (laughs) because that is, that's a good indicator of where the bias may lie. Um, And, you know, I think that that plays a huge role in it, uh, at least, you know, So I think that, uh, again, I think that a lot of people have their hand in the pie and I don't know that all of the intentions are good. Um, I don't know that all of them are necessarily bad. I think some are misinformed, Um, but you, you raise a lot of questions when you look at some of the sponsors of, of of even dietitians and the dietetics Mm -hmm. associations around the country, you look at Coca-Cola and Kellogg's Mm -hmm. and, and different sugar canes and, and these things. And you're like, wait a second we all know that soda it does not fit anywhere in a healthy diet. So how could they be a sponsor for a dietitians uh, association? So there's a lot of things where you look at it and you're like, that doesn't, that doesn't seem right at all. Um, and it doesn't take someone that's, you know, super high on the IQ chart to realize that either. Right. It's, it's pretty, you know, eye opening when you start looking at nutrition mm-hmm. research, that's a whole nother gamut. We could talk about another day. You look at some of the the sponsors of nutrition research. And you're like, Oh, well, that makes sense. You support your own product. Well, way to go. You came to that conclusion. Well done. You know? So that's a great question, but I do hope it changes. Um, I'll oh, say that me much, too. you me know,
0: too. I really do. Um, but uh, like you said, when you have a lot of money involved, yep, it makes it really difficult to do the it right does. thing.
1: It does. You know, It does. It even does.
0: research. I mean, the funding for yeah. research, it has to be funded somehow. And what do you think is going to happen if Coca-Cola funds a a research about sugar or whatever, or whatever might be in Coke? What do you think? (laughs) I mean, you know, there are, I'm not saying that every research is is biased or whatever, but you got to kind of uh, try to find a way to work with the one who funds you, even if you find something and you. You know, it's pretty no obvious. You yeah. got to kind of twist it to kind of make your donor happy too. You know,
1: totally, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's very. Anytime people come at me on on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, and they say, Whoa, "Well, this research article says this," I'm like, "Yeah, but did you actually read read the the article? Because you would know that it was sponsored by you know." And so you're right, you're right, and that's that's the part that people miss. You know, the research makes the headline. Uh, for whatever reason, it, it, but it doesn't make it in the, in the actual article that, you know, sponsored by Coke or Kellogg's or any of these other people that, you know, and people just
0: read the conclusion. Yeah. Always. And the yep. conclusion <laughs> doesn't always match the, no. the data. That's the thing. And you would think, how does that happen? It does all the time. I mean, yeah, how many have you read where you're like, wait a minute. I thought the data said this, but why are they saying this down here? Right. In the conclusion? But how many people yep. have time to read through that? They're going to read the conclusion. So, yep. I don't and know it's confusing.
1: That's... Yeah. It's it hard to read. Yeah. They're hard to read. Um, yeah, so I don't totally... like it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, not at all. It's kind of, it's kind of a little above me really. But yeah. I try. yeah.
1: I'm no, I hear funny. that.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. So let's talk about women in particular with weight loss, when yeah. the women that come to you, what is the one kind of uh, uniting um, uh, thing that these women have in common? Is there anything that, that you kind of look at and go, okay, <laughs> they kind of have this in common?
1: I would, I would definitely say a majority of the women that come to me are, are in some way, shape or form insulin resistance now resistant. Now they're all, I would say there's definitely varying scales of it. Um, but for sure, I would say in, in that, that, or just some other hormonal imbalance, whether it's hypothyroid, um, or estrogen dominant. Uh, but I would say the majority of women come to me, um, struggling to lose weight. Um, haven't been able to keep weight off yo-yo diet for years, Uh, and have some sort of hormonal imbalance, no matter what form that it it presents itself.
0: I would have to agree with that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So for somebody who doesn't really understand what insulin resistance is and how it can affect weight loss or weight gain, can you just go over briefly a little bit about that, a little info?
1: Yeah. Insulin resistance is just when and this can, insulin resistance can come from several different things. One, I want to go ahead and say that right there is that a lot of times people think, oh, it's only from overeating added sugars. And yeah, that's definitely probably the biggest contributor to it, but so is inflammation, inflammation and so is stress. But insulin resistance is just essentially your body not using the hormone correctly. Um, and that in, in turn causing a storage and a buildup of fat. Um, that's a very simplistic way to put it, but it gets real complicated real quick. Um, but the the issue is, is that one insulin resistance can really sneak up on you. Um, and, and oftentimes isn't caught quick until you've got full blown diabetes or PCOS or some of the other um, conditions. Um, and it's, we're not testing for it is another issue, but in, in a very simplistic way is it's the body's, you know hormonal system, not, not working correctly and in in turn causing difficulty losing weight as well as uh, storage of fat.
0: And what is the difference between like a male and a female when you're talking weight loss? Because there is a difference. A guy can just cut out the cream on his coffee and he lose 50 pounds. A woman does the same thing and she gains five. Isn't it awful? What is the
1: difference there? There's a couple of differences. So one, just in general, women tend to have a lower metabolic rate than men. Now this can be from a couple different reasons, mostly because men tend to be more muscular, um, and have more testosterone And, and women do obviously need testosterone as well, but, um, men are just more muscular and women tend to store more body fat. Now this is all in a complex design because women childbear, right? So we have children, we sustain life, and then we feed that baby um, and we breastfeed. And so women need that those stores of body fat, but that's one of the reasons. Another reason is because of the cycles that we have. So we, you know, we have periods and then we eventually have menopause and that can be another hormonal imbalance that happens in women, uh, you know, with the increased estrogen, the estrogen dominance that menopause causes, as well as just the staggering number of women with either PCOS, which we know is an insulin resistant um, related condition, and it can be caused by other things, birth control, inflammation, et cetera, but mostly insulin resistance, as well as, as one in five women have hypothyroidism or an autoimmune condition called Hashimoto's. So I think there's several factors as to why women tend to have more weight on them than men. And an interesting study from Yale that I just read about was said that women are 50% more likely to be overweight than men. And I'm thinking, well, that's really vague. Why? And again, I think it's because there's a lot of factors that come into play in a woman's, in a woman's body, especially, especially those hormonal factors. Yeah. Okay. And there.
0: I I don't have any facts or anything it's just statistics to prove it but it seems to me that Pcos is almost common like you know oh you have Pcos oh so do I so do I so do I and the same with Hashimoto's yeah and before I I had never heard of that before and all of a sudden I'm hearing it everywhere so many people I know have these conditions yeah. why 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 do you think that is
1: it's a great question 10 percent of women have PCOS, which is a staggering amount of what, I mean, that is one in 10 have that and one in uh, five have hypothyroidism. And I, you know, I, I would probably be very rich if I had the answer because I don't know. I do believe that obviously diet plays a huge role. I think the quality, um, in general, whether you eat keto or not a food has just completely gone down. I think there is a lot of factors there as well. I think lifestyle, I think our lifestyles just breed, um, you know, sedentarism and no sunlight and eating cheap vegetable and seed oils. I could go on and on. And I I just think, um, I think if you want to be super umbrella term diet and lifestyle are are the answers. And, And, and we've also got to look at genetics too, right? So we're becoming sicker and sicker and fatter and fatter, and then we're passing that on to our children. And so we're setting them up as well for that. And so I think that that's another aspect where it's like, you know, we got to break the chain, but we also have to break the chain starting with our own life. So that may be a super vague answer. I wish I had a a pinpoint and narrowed down as to why this is happening. But another thing we have to look at too is just our environment, right? There's food on every corner. The air we breathe isn't great, you know, in certain parts of the country. And there's stress. I mean, let's think about the stress. Like the last two years have been insane, insane. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I just... I think it's again one of those things that there's a lot of factors, um, and we're kind the odds are kind of stacked against you in a way. Uh, yeah,
0: I agree. And uh, as we were talking, stress. Hello, I'm feeling yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. my cortisol is super high. I'm working on. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm trying. But okay, so when. A lot of times when women go to say the doctor and they find out they have PCOS or Hashimoto's, something along those lines, so many times they are told, okay, here's a medication and okay, lose weight, whatever. And see, ya. you're just going to have to live with it. There is no cure. Yeah. What do you say about that?
1: I think it's terrible i think it's one of the biggest disservices that we do to women, especially if you look at the magnitude of women um that are coming and getting diagnosed with those and then we just kick them out the door saying here's birth control and metformin which i'm not i, I it's just it's just not helpful you know like birth control i could we could say that for a whole nother podcast episode i think mm-hmm. it's got its uses for sure but to, to fix PCOS, that's a stretch. And so, you know, um, without telling them what they can do and heal, um, via diet and resistance, exercise, resistant weight training, whatever it may be, getting some sunlight, um, really just does not set them up for success. It also, and I want to say this infertility is one of the most heartbreaking things I I can think of Mm -hmm. that a woman would have to face or go through in her lifetime is not being able to have a child. And, Um, You know, my husband and I didn't necessarily try, but there was definitely some infertility there um, before I was able to heal my body. And it's very sad. And when we don't help women heal their bodies, we set them up for failed IVF. We set them up for, you know, having to do Clomid over and over and over again. And so, and I'm not saying that, that the ketogenic diet or and or lifestyle will fix it every time. There are definitely places for IVF and Clomid and all of those things. I think those are wonderful medical technologies, but it's not giving them the best chance. And I want someone that I'm treating if if I was in that situation to have the best chance. And so I think when we leave out, The insulin resistance part of that, if that's what their PCS is related to and or the weight training and the the muscle building things that you can do to make yourself more insulin sensitive, it just does not give them the best chance.
0: I totally agree with that. Okay, so when you have your clients come to you, do they understand that you use like the keto diet as kind of your base for treatment, or do they just come to you for the weight loss uh, issue? And they're just like, whatever.
1: I think, but I I get both. Now, ever since I really kind of hammered down and started marketing, I'm a ketogenic dietitian. I believe in this method. I would say more come to me knowing that that I, that I do use the ketogenic diet. I will say I do get a lot of people that are confused about keto as well, because there is some people on Instagram that, that do more of an inflammatory type style and things of that nature. So I, I get both. Um, I do love my clients that come to me, um, just looking for a weight loss and don't necessarily know what method I use and then just see incredible results. Um, or ones that come to me, Oh, my doctor said I should never do this. It doesn't work da a da, And then end up, you know, dropping their a one C to to not even pre-diabetic to normal levels. So I, I think I get a, I get a healthy mixture of both. And, and I, and I love having both in my, in my programs.
0: That does sound kind of interesting. Do yeah. you ever get any like pushback where they're like, uh, that's not healthy. No, yeah, I, I can't do that
1: for sure. I get that. I get that quite often. And you know, the, the, the keto myths out there are, are insane. And I'm sure you get a ton of this as well. Like, Oh no, I'm going to have a heart attack or no, this is going to give me stroke or I can't eat this kind of fat da, da, da. and all the stuff that, that you can see has really been ingrained in people, especially around saturated fat. I would say that's like one of the number one things that I hear is, Oh, I cannot, I can't eat this much fat. I can't do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I do get pushback back occasionally. Um, I think by the time they get to into my program, they realize that, okay, she's got at least of a point here. And I do, I will send people articles, you know, I've, I've confronted many, many of my own, not confronted, but I've helped use uh, research to support the ketogenic diet in many medical atmospheres that I've been in. And, 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 you know, Thank goodness for people like the the people that run Verta Health and some of these mm. bigger organizations that are doing this research and paying for it themselves um, because I, I use it, I use it frequently.
0: I, I love that, I think that's awesome. Okay, do you ever use the carnivore diet? Do you ever go to the extreme? Oh, let's hear this.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know a dietitian using the carnivore diet. I'm sure people are going to have a have a have a rave. But that's okay because it number one person and I'm in one, of course. But I use the carnivore diet during my ketogenic experimentation, because I was having, there's a lot of gut things that can come with PCOS and thyroid, whether that's slow digestion, bloating. I, I, there's a lot of things when your hormones are messed up, you can consider your GI system messed up as well. And so I, um, I used the carnivore diet for three months for 90 days. I was fully carnivore and I felt great. Um, and I really think I needed that time to really heal. I don't know what it was. I had tried every elimination diet in the book, um, medical, the low FODMAP, you name it. I tried it and I just could not find relief from, I was having all kinds of GI symptoms. And um, so I did carnivore and that was the number one thing that helped me. And so I believe in it. I think it's a very good uh, elimination diet, especially, um, I don't want to say reset cause I hate that word, but really it it is, you take it down to the bare minimum basics. Now, personally, I like things, avocado and other foods. Um, and I just knew I wouldn't be able to give those up forever, but anytime I I'm noticing anything wacko in my stomach, I'll go back to it. So I definitely have seen clients have some success, especially with some chronic autoimmune issues, um, you know, people being horrifically in pain, um, almost disabled with pain. Um, I've seen some really good stuff come from that. Um, going carnivore. So I am a, I'm a believer and, you know, I, I there's enough testimonies and um, evidence and, and things of that nature for it, for it to be used in my, my opinion.
0: Yay. Uh, And that's, that's what I do. (laughs) No big surprise to anybody who follows me, but yeah, um, yeah, it just works for me to be honest. And, and and it's not that I demonize vegetables by any means. I just think for a lot of people, it's not the best thing. And it wasn't necessarily even all the, you know, some of the other things that bother people. I, I wasn't bothered by that. What I was bothered with is fiber. Mm-hmm. That real that was a huge difference for me getting rid of fiber, and I yeah. just had somebody keep coming back at me just earlier this week about, uh, well, you need fiber. Yeah. Okay, I do. Well, I yeah. haven't had any in two years, and I'm not dead yet. Okay. I know. So I'm doing just fine. Yep. I'm able to go to the bathroom. <laughs> shocking, I know, but I, you know, <laughs> I know, it's so shocking. But yeah. yeah that's awesome.
1: And and I do think, I do think fiber is one of those really controversial things because I will say in the, in the medical community, it's very heavily pushed. And I, I seen it really backfire really, really bad Mm -hmm. in terms of constipate all the things, you know, and you're like, wait Mm -hmm. a second. This feels like we're, we're doing a little bit more harm than good. So yeah, I've, I've seen people getting rid of, getting rid of fiber being incredibly beneficial, which I know is like one of those things you just don't say all out loud, but, um, It is what it is. Right.
0: Right. And especially for people who have like Crohn's and you know, those kind of things and constipation. And that's what I had since I was like three years old, I was chronically constipated like bad, but I loved vegetables. Even as a little Mm -hmm. kid, as a three-year-old, I would want spinach for breakfast. Yeah. Don't ask me why Popeye. I don't know, <laughs> but that's what I wanted. I didn't really yeah. eat a lot of meat. I wanted vegetables. That's what I yeah. wanted. And yeah. so I, I never re- related it to that, but now added it added fiber, like flax seeds, you know, cause you're told you should, you know, have more yeah. especially if you have that issue of constipation. So I would yeah. add in flax seeds. Oh, I would go to the floor on my knees oh, in pain I can't even imagine. and just yeah. want just crying. And oh. you know, it's like, okay. So I always knew I had that issue, but I didn't ever really think about the fiber and actual vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. And it just never, yep. cause I, cause you think of that as so good that mm-hmm. why would that cause you issues? So I thought that sure. was funny. And, and while we're talking about myths, I want to just know some of your myths that need to die. What oh, are your, wow. some common dietary myths
1: I always go to saturated fats. My number one, that saturated fat's going to kill you. That is the farthest from the truth that I can, that I can even say. So that's definitely myth. Number one, number two would probably be that you need to eat six meals a day to stoke your metabolism. That one drives me crazy. Number three is uh, that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. That one drives me crazy. Fiber, red meat causes cancer. What else? I'm trying to think. whole grain is good for people with diabetes, Mm. (laughs) um, man, I could go on. There's just so many things. Sugar is not addictive. I, I, so I just quick story because I was just so appalled. I did a, um, a video on, on sugar and it's addictive properties. And I, to me, it's shocking that this is still a controversy, like with the amount of research and not even research, the millions of people who say, Hey, I'm full on addicted to sugar. I cannot break it. Um, It, it, it shows withdrawal. I could go on. There's so much research out there, but I did a video on this and I had a medical professional, um, uh, come and say that sugar wasn't addictive. And I, I almost lost it. I'm like, how could you say that? That's one of the biggest issues that this country is facing. Um, and then you, uh, again, I don't want to bring COVID into it, but sugar is, is, is absolutely addictive. and, And until we can all at least agree on that, I think we have some issues. So that's another myth that really drives me crazy as well.
0: Oh, that one gets me really bad because I, I I see, well, if you just have it in moderation, you can't moderate something you're addicted to, right, it doesn't right. work no. when an alcoholic just have, Oh, you can have, you know, a drink or two a day.
1: Yeah. Moderate. Yeah, and it, no, it's, it, I know. And that's one of the big, I would say one of the biggest things that I, in one time in my life pushed is, Hey, you can fit everything in. And, you <laughs> know, maybe for, for a few people, maybe that does work. Um, But not people that are battling hormones and the majority of people are right. So you look Mm -hmm. at leptin, you look at ghrelin, you look at insulin and all of these things that respond directly to sugar and directly to other hormones and everything in moderation is, is another one of those things that I feel sets a lot of people up for failure because you you're having to fight full on cravings, like full on hormonal cravings. And I just don't think that, that you can be successful doing that long-term.
0: I agree. It's a beautiful thought and I wish it worked that way.
1: I agree. And, and
0: like you said, there are some who actually can do that and yeah. they have the body, the metabolism to be able to, to deal with it, whatever, yeah. and the right mindset. But most of us, let's, let's get real. I mean, what is it? 88% of us are metabolically damaged. Yeah. So yeah. And that kind of plays into it. It's like yeah. when you're in, in, in that 88%, you can't just willy nilly go, Oh, I can just have a piece of cake a day or whatever it is. If you I just cannot. moderate, you know, everything else, right. but it doesn't work that way. So that, that is extremely frustrating. It is. Okay. Yeah, it is. So, so if you had somebody come to you who's okay, let's say she has PCOS, what is your treatment plan? Like, what do you uh, do first? What are your steps? I guess.
1: Yeah. So my group, I run eight week groups. So I really try to teach the foundations of the ketogenic diet, but also just the typical things that that help a person become healthy getting out in the sunlight weight training all of those things so what i do especially especially if i know that they have insulin resistance and most of my clients i recommend you need to get your fasting insulin taken before you begin to work with me um because i'd like to know what we're dealing with on the spectrum and so initially what i do is i do i remove all carbohydrates and so i get them into ketosis i teach them how i teach them how to avoid the ketogenic flu if we need to go a little bit more extreme and eliminate more vegetables, avocado, whatever it may be, I'll do it. Um, But I teach them that. And then I I walk them through it. And I set them up for success with the ketogenic diet, because I will say this, there's so much information online that it can really you could try keto and fail it very easily. Mm -hmm. Um, And and or just feel like crap, because you don't know what you're doing with electrolytes and those things. And then that in turn gives you a bad taste in your mouth. And then they're more less likely to try it again. So anyway, long story short, I really try to set my clients up for success and knowing, okay, you need electrolytes, you need salt, you need water, you need to focus on, you know, fats and all of this. And these are the levels and these are the numbers. And I try to do it in a way that sets them up to, to make this a lifestyle. And I hate that word as well, because everyone, it's not Mm -hmm. a diet, it's a lifestyle, but it truly I I don't want my clients to have to come back to me. I want to be able to give you the information and I want you to be successful long-term. And then that way you can share it, you can spread it, you can get other people and, and their success makes me success. Uh, and so that's what I really try to do with my clients, um, is, and I really, and I'll say this too, I believe everyone's individual and I'll treat somebody that's severely hypothyroid a little bit different than someone who's struggling to get pregnant with PCOS um, because I think we need to look at big picture and um, n- stop trying to make nutrition as cookie cutter as we want it. I think um, I think that there is some room for a little bit of variability as well.
0: Oh, that one drives me nuts. Ah! Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I did a, what I eat in a day for a week because I had so many uh, people ask me that and I just I'm never sure. thought anybody could really care what I ate. <laughs> but they did. And Everyone so I does, put it yeah. out there and then, and, and I'm getting all these things. Like you're not eating enough calories. You're, you're not eating enough fat. You're not. And I'm like, do you think I haven't worked all this stuff out? Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm not Are saying you haven't that. Been doing it.
1: haven't
0: it's like, I, I've had to evolve as I, I, you know, what worked for me yesterday is not working for me today. Sure. And that's true with any diet. I don't care what you're doing. You have to yeah. evolve as your hormones evolve, as yep. your life evolves. Hello, yep. stress with me. I'm having to yep. change some, things. And so I know, but there, you are individual. Yes. We're alike, but we're also individual in our needs. I may not, I mean, I'm almost 55 in July. I, I, maybe I don't need 90% fat. Maybe maybe I have some fat on my body too, which I do that, that could, you know, so why, why would you force me in a cookie cutter diet? Because it works for somebody else.
1: Yeah. I, it it's, it's, it's not right. And it doesn't help people. You are so bio individual. Like you mm-hmm. said that we need to, we need to look big picture for sure. Yeah. And and, and it's okay. It's okay.
0: Yeah. And you know, just because I put that out there because people ask me, it's not that I'm saying everybody should eat that way. N- nowhere have right. I ever said that. That is right. what works for me. Sure. Nobody else, me. And I'm just like,
1: what? What is going on? A lot of people, here? I know a lot of people tell you how to eat, right? It's interesting. Yeah, so. It is
0: so crazy. Okay. One of the things that I get as a coach is, is it's not the diet aspect it, because I, I coach carnivore. So it, yeah. it's not the diet. Very, I mean, there are a few questions about it, but what I deal with is the emotional and mental aspect of it, especially with women yep. because they, I mean, you know, as a woman, this, the way you're perceived on your looks is way more uh, damaging or whatever you want to say than it is sure. for a man. I'm not saying that men don't go through this too, but, and, and then all the, the restrictive diets and, mm-hmm. and the eating disorders, yep. you know, I, I battled both anorexia and bulimia and a few other things,
1: yep. but
0: it's very common for women. Sure. Yep. Do you deal with that? Do do you help women also with that mental and emotional part? Because that's a huge element of it all.
1: It it is a huge element and it's scientifically proven that women will stress eat and emotionally eat before a man will. Um, and I think that that again, you you hit on all of it. The the way that women are supposed to look, right? This this body type that we're all supposed to have, and the way that marketing and average all of it plays into it. But yes, it it is absolutely one of the biggest reasons why women tend to have weight problems more than men is because there's such an emotional factor. um, And also women are more quickly to turn to very, um, fad diet or restrictive diet type, like you said, before man, well, typically men, oh, I'll just cut out sweets and they'll lose 15 pounds. Like you said, women go, oh no, I got to go to the extreme. And before you know it, they're doing the HCG diet and they're getting shots and they're doing all these things. Um, and that again is, is a way to fail. And so, yes, I deal with that. I would say with 90% of the women in my group Mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form, right. Whether it's active or it's, it's been in their life in the past. And, you know what's funny is I really I incorporate like a mindfulness and an intuitive eating course um, class in my program, and it's funny because you say that out loud, and other you know people in those spaces would just come unglued. But it, you can still have the same principles of hey, pay attention to what you're eating, enjoy it. Uh, pay attention to your triggers. Pay attention to why you're eating. Pay attention to all of these things that you know, emotions and stress and all of the, that it, and, and you, you can still eat mindfully and you can still have some of those principles of intuitive eating brought in. And, um, I, that's why, again, I, I think that nutrition is just so much bigger than we've made it. And, um, so yeah, a hundred percent, I deal with that. And I think I, I it would be hard pressed to find it, one woman on planet earth that said at one point in their life, they didn't stress eat or have some sort of emotional attachment with food, whether good or bad. I I really believe that. I think that it's um, hormonal in a lot of ways as well.
0: Yeah. And the other thing that I see too, and I don't know if this is something, and and it's a very deep thing um, that is, you know, beyond my scope, but I recognize it because I lived it. Not to the extreme of some people, but past trauma. And even the trauma can be something that somebody else would look at and go, really grow up, get over it. Yeah. But it was trauma to you and yeah. it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks that that can right. a- actually affect your health.
1: Yeah, it, it can. And I would completely agree. And I think what I think if trauma is not dealt with quickly, it can manifest itself in many ways. Um, whether that's eating <laughs> disorders or whatever addictions, you name it, I think it can, it can show up. And, um, this became really real for me recently when my daughter was in the NICU, I realized, wow trauma is real. PTSD is very real. And, and those things affect the way you feel, the way you think, the way you live, the the thoughts you have. It's, it's really wild. That, that really was one of the, the most traumatic experiences that I've ever, I've ever come across. And it really changed my perspective on when people talk about trauma. And I know Jimmy Moore is really big on this mm-hmm. and, and you mm-hmm. as well. And, um, I always appreciate it because people are living with, hurt. And that has to be addressed in some way, because um, a lot of times you'll see that show up in in the form of an eating disorder or binging and treating emotions with food. And and like you said, you you name it, it's trauma can affect it.
0: It really can. And, you know, it is so hard because like in in coaching, you know, you're supposed to be, you know, it's about the diet, right? But then there's something that just flashes and you're like, It doesn't matter what diet you're, you're, you're on, it, it's not going to work because you haven't dealt with this first. Yeah, It can't work. It, it yeah. can't work because you haven't dealt with this. And so I'm like, oh, you know, I hate to tell you this, but you know, you need to talk you're going to have to, to dig a little bit deeper. Yep. It's not yep. just the diet. That's not yep. going to do it maybe temporarily, right. but for the long-term, that's the thing you can mm-hmm. lose weight temporarily, but if you're thinking yep. of, of fixing your health and for the long term. You know, you've got to do it all, the mental, the, you know, psychological and your lifestyle. It's it's holistic, right? The holistic package you got to kind of do. Okay. Let me go through. Let me make sure. Oh, okay. You've kind of answered this, but to be more specific. Okay. Why do traditional weight loss protocols fail? What makes them fail? So why is, why are those different than say keto or carnivore?
1: So, and this is what I was directly taught on how to teach people to lose weight. And this is from a dietitian perspective, classically trained is calories in versus calories out. And that lies a lot of problems. Typically when you're, when you're going low calorie, that also means going low fat. Um, I have never seen a low calorie diet include a lot of fat. And so I think that this sets you up to fail in, in one, many ways. Number one, your metabolism, you, we've all seen the biggest loser studies. I'll, if you haven't go look at them, um, the, the metabolic rate damage done is really insane. Um, also when you eat low calorie and you eat low fat, you're starving and every, almost every diet you name, um, and I don't want to name them specifically, but is a low calorie low fat style diet. And even the portion control ones are arguably low calorie. And so what that does is that leaves people hangry. Um, it leaves them frustrated because they're not, uh, they don't enjoy satiating foods like steak and eggs and avocado and all these things that make you feel good and feel full. And they also, again, can, can mess up your metabolism. And they're also They're just not fun and, and, and they don't leave you feeling good. And they don't truly, in my opinion, nourish your body. If you're left hungry, then there's something missing. And so that they just don't set people up for success because there's no way that you're going to be able to fight hunger and fight your body for a long period of time. Like you said, and you mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, Amber, was that, that you it just wasn't sustainable. And you, you feared when you got into that maintenance phase, cause you could lose the weight, but you knew that that low calorie, that low fat, it just is not something that is good for the body and or sustainable long-term. And so that's my biggest problem with calories in versus calories out it, is that it's just, it doesn't work long-term.
0: No, because you can lose the weight. Lots of people do it. I've lost 80 to a hundred pounds, three times on another diet, I lost the other on keto. So I don't count that yeah. with the, the bad stuff, not to mention, yeah. you know, so, so many times, 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds. And yeah. I, I could do that. But it was so incredibly miserable, and like I said, I have an iron will, so it wasn't about cheat. I don't. I don't cheat. I. I, I don't. I don't need to. I, I'm not going to because I'm just too stubborn. But yeah. we would go to dinner with my friends, and they would be having their margaritas and their chips and salsa. I'm a Texas girl. We like our Tex-Mex, yeah. and I'm like just looking at it, and I'm I'm just so sad. And yeah. by the time I get home, I'm in tears. I'm in yeah. tears because it was so incredibly depressing to me. I was even jealous of overweight obese people who felt fine eating what I wanted to eat. Even yeah. though they were unhealthy and obese, I was jealous of them. Yeah. Because yeah. I would not allow myself to do that. Yeah. And and but it just, you know, left me so angry. Yeah. And sad and depressed. And, but when I tried keto, it was like, what? this is so awesome. I didn't even know what fat tasted like. I, I, at one point had my fat down to just a couple of grams and I'm not kidding you when I say that. I'm not kidding you. I was working with a personal trainer and she would look at my, you know, food lock and she looked at me one day and she goes, you cannot be doing this. You cannot do this. You have got to have fat in your diet. You have to, good God, girl, eat a Snickers bar, something, do something because you're freaking me out. And I'm like, what? And she goes, you're not allowing yourself to have any fat. That's not good.
1: And, you know, and I'm like, okay. But I had this fear
0: of fat. I wonder why. Imagine that.
1: Yeah, imagine that, right?
0: Yeah. Serious fear of fat and it turned into yeah. an eating disorder. Yeah, so I there you imagine. go. Yeah, Wow. it's ridiculous. Wow. Oh, oh, here's a good one that I I get a lot too. Um, how do I deal with cravings? Oh,
1: that's a good one. Um, I so there's a couple of ways. Number 1, making sure you're eating fat and protein is, is the biggest one. If you're under eating, either of those cravings will still be there. Also understand that it, it takes a little bit of an adjustment period. So a lot of times people that switch from standard American diet to keto, those two weeks, two and a half weeks are kind of rough cravings wise, because your body's used to running at a certain level of higher blood sugar and getting these sugars and getting all this stimulant. And you take that away and your body's like, wait a second, where is that? So understand that it takes a little bit of time and understand if you work with your hormones and if you truly feel your body that they're they're really not going to be a lot of cravings and if there are it, it could be an emotional remember or like a habitual craving where you know you sat down every night to eat popcorn in front of the television whatever um and there's ways to work around that so i always like to tell my clients to try to figure out is it a true like a craving from your body or is it something emotional or habitual or you know you Always had cherry pie at grandma's and you went over there and you wanted cherry pie. What is it? Something of that nature. So making sure you're properly nourished is is step number one by far.
0: Absolutely. I agree with that. Okay. Hmm, you actually hit on that already. Hmm. Okay. One thing that I find a lot of, and I think this is true with everybody, it definitely was for me for 40 years, is uh, focusing on the outside, the aesthetics, instead of health. Yeah. What do you say about that? What what can, what can you tell somebody who, who who is just so focused on the scale, the measuring tape, the size, yeah. a particular size?
1: Totally. And this is real and skinny fat is real. And my clinical experience in the hospital really opened my eyes to this because I would have perfectly normal weight people come to my office and we would look at their insulin levels and their A1C and their triglycerides. And it was horrifying. I mean, some of the worst... Lab values I saw come out of a hospital came from normal weight people. And so that, that is the, what's on the outside is not your worth for number one, first and foremost, you will never be that, that is not even um, comparable, but the scale is just one measurement in, in hundreds that we could use on, on health in general. And a lot of times people get really caught, caught up in cosmetic fat and they want to lose cosmetic fat, whether it's around their face or their arms or their thighs. And I really try to reiterate, that's not the dangerous fat. The dangerous fat is the fat that's that you can't see. And that's hidden in your organs and hidden in your abdominal cavity in places that you don't want it to be an active visceral fat, where it's, you know, releasing inflammatory cytokines and things like that. And so I I really try to help people understand that that weight is just one factor. And we look at many. Um, and, And I really do try to make them understand too, that like, even their just mental health around food is is so important to mm-hmm. work on and to see because you know like you Amber your perfect example you went from having an eating do- disorder to finding true fruit food freedom um, with keto and so I think there's nothing huge. better <laughs> no there's not and there's it, really not you know we're all gonna age and we're all eventually gonna die and so it's like you can focus on your body as much as you want but um, you know it's it's only going to take you so far and and health is is just so much more than just skin and bones
0: absolutely and like your mission statement when you're working with your body instead of against your body, yep. it makes everything so much easier later on to be able yes. to lose that weight, to be able to maintain that weight. Yeah, And plus you feel good. You have a quality of life. Yeah. So what if you can wear a size zero jeans? If you feel like crap, you have no energy, you're miserable, you're hair fighting to out. stay yeah. that way. Yeah, hair falling out in clumps. And- oh, I'm gonna tell you. Yeah. I, mm, I had hair just falling all kinds of out. Um, yeah, yeah it, it is. There's nothing better feeling than being free from that food addiction and yeah. having true health.
1: Yeah. And yeah. quality
0: of life and quality it, of life. It just makes it easier. And when your mind is clear and your mood is better, you can deal with those other things like the, um, you know, trauma in your past or yeah. other things that you may have have to go deal with, even if you don't want to, sometimes you have to, um, but it makes it easier. So by doing this, it's not, you know, quick like this, and you're not going to just be this model, you know, right off the bat. And you may never be probably never. how many people are, Um, but, but there's just nothing better than true health and the freedom from food. Yeah. Not thinking yeah. about it twenty four seven. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. I even I, I'm pretty sure I dreamed about food too.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah, and when you when you're so deprived and your body's mm. not nourished, I mean, it's only a the it's a survival mechanism. Of course, <laughs> you're gonna think about food and dream about food and want food because your body is like, no, 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 I'm not ready to go starve. I want you know, and so it's really I see women fight their bodies so much, and it's so sad yes. because it it does it it consumes every waking thought and even sometimes non-waking thoughts, which is just not, not okay. And not a way to live. Yeah. And I
0: think that's, you know, one big difference for me, um, just I'll quickly say this, but I had a huge body hatred since Mm -hmm. I was 10 years old when I realized I was a little bit different than some of the other little girls and it just carried over. And I felt like my body was my enemy and yeah. I literally fought against my body. And if it didn't do what my mind thought it should do, based on all the work I put in, I punished myself. Yeah. I punished myself. Yeah. And, you know, either by starvation, like not eating for weeks, which that's different than fasting. I just yeah, want to say that is course. different. Yeah. Or I would exercise till I just about dropped, or I would take laxatives or, yeah. you know, those kind of things. I literally punished myself.
1: Yeah. 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 And I think a it, lot
0: of women do that
1: they do. And in various forms, the ones you mentioned, or they constantly are in a, in a reel in their head talking about how ugly they are and how fat they are and how they'll mm-hmm. never be worth it. And I see that. And I see exactly what you're talking. About. I also see the mental abuse that they do to themselves. And it's, and again, we talk about, you know, uh, celebrating your body and being a, like, that mm-hmm. is a big deal. No matter what you look like, if, And, and I, like you found a true food freedom, uh, in the ketogenic Mm -hmm. diet and finally felt, uh, felt good. And so I think that's a huge aspect, like you said, Amber, and I think a lot of women do do that. Um, whether it's, it's actual abuse with laxatives or exercise or binging or making themselves throw up, whatever it is, or if it's emotional abuse to themselves by telling Mm -hmm. themselves they're not worth it. And, um, and that really is so sad and it's not that it doesn't have to be that way you know, yeah. and, and my heart breaks for women that suffer with that. Cause I was there at some point and mm-hmm. I get it, you know, and it's hard.
0: It is so hard. It is so hard. And it breaks my heart too. And that's pretty much why I do what I do because yeah. if I can help somebody not suffer for as long as I did, because yeah. even my worst enemy, I would not wish that upon. No. No, Not especially
1: either. for, for the length of time that you had to go through it. I mm-hmm. mean, that's that I'm sure that your passion for it is even just exaggerated that much more because yeah. of the years that you put in.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> and that's you know? why I have to have a purpose for that. I mean, yeah. you have to look back and go, I went through all of that for a reason. I always believe everything happens for a reason. 100%. So it's like I got to figure out what that reason is. Okay. Now I got yeah. it.
1: I got it. (laughs) It's your testimony. And, and, and it also makes you real, you know, and that makes you even more trustworthy because you know, and you've lived it. So I love that.
0: Yeah. And you know, now what I think is so cool is what we talked about earlier. I can't remember if we actually talked about it in the podcast, but where you, you were like, your body is amazing. It does yeah, these amazing insane. things. Mm-hmm. And that's how I view my body now. It is mm-hmm. not perfect. I'll just tell you right, right now, especially yeah. thank you, cortisol with a little bit of weight gain, even though it didn't change right. anything. Um, right. But I'm not, I don't look in the mirror and go, you fat piece of crap, well, yeah. like I used to. I don't yeah. do that anymore. I, I recognize that. Okay. Yeah. I would like to, you know, get back into those size zeros. Okay. Whatever. But, yeah. um, you know, at the same time, I'm like, I appreciate my body. I'm like, yeah. obviously there's something going on. I need to figure it out mm-hmm. and take care of it because your <laughs> body is, is just trying to help you survive. And yeah. so it only knows what you give it. Yeah, and, you know, exactly. I think it's, it's this beautiful thing now. And so I look at it completely different. And so now I am so focused on the health aspect of it Yeah, and not yeah. saying that it's not a good thing to want to look good outside. Of course, everybody right. does. And, yeah. and that that's, that's a good thing. I mean, you know, yeah. you want to whatever, but okay. I think we are, <laughs> oh yeah, we are. Okay. Um, to, to sum everything up, can you give, um, women out there who are struggling with weight loss, who are feeling depressed and with no hope, what is your best bit of advice you can give them?
1: I would say... I have got two things. Number one, give yourself grace because we all deserve a little bit more grace than we give each other um, and ourselves. So give yourself some grace. And number two is don't give up. Um, there, it, it. Some people take 40 years, some people take three or four, some people take 15 or 20, however long it may be to find out your perfect method. It's there. Um, I really believe in e- re- eating real food and animal-based food and nourishing your body and so give yourself grace and don't give up and I guess I would say the third thing is find somebody to help you you know we're both yes. you coach I I coach and and do, you're not meant to walk this path alone by any means and so that that there's loneliness when you when you're feeling that way so find somebody support you ta- have a conversation with your spouse whatever it may be there's support out there you just may need to to reach out for it and, and because a lot of us are willing, really willing to help. And
0: it's okay to ask for help. It's okay. It it, it doesn't matter what help it is you need. Even if you need to see a therapist to deal with the traumatic past or whatever it might be, eating disorders, whatever, it's okay. We all need help. It's okay. I did. I needed help. I admit it. Yep. And, you yep. know, thank goodness. I, I found the help that I needed. Yep. So, you know, totally. we all do. It's all good. Well, Temple, it has been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and Hey y'all, while y'all are here, subscribe to my channel and go follow Temple. I'll have all her stuff below. And again, okay. thank you, Temple. Thank
1: you for having me. It was a pleasure, Amber.
0: Absolutely. Bye Temple.
1: Bye.